Hi, this is Pastor Jim. Thanks for joining us for this week's message from Riverside Church. I believe you will be inspired and blessed by the Word of God. We'd love to welcome you to one of our services next time you're in the Brisbane area. If you'd like to know more about us, go online at www.riversidecc.org.au or like us on Facebook to hear about up-and-coming events. I hope you enjoy the message. God bless you. Why don't we pray as we come around God's Word? Amen? I want to be built up and strengthened in my most holy faith. Heavenly Father, we come to your Word this morning and we thank you for your Word that is the enduring Word. It's the incorruptible Word, the imperishable Word of God. We don't take your Word lightly. We want to be not only hearers but doers of your Word and apply what you've given to us so that we can live this life that Jesus has called us to live with purpose and with power. I pray, Holy Spirit, that you would open our ears to hear to what you are saying to us, the church, how to live in this time. We know that you are with us, Jesus, and you strengthen us. We know that you're praying for us to be everything that we can be. Let my words be your words, Lord, in Jesus' name. And everyone said, Amen. We are continuing in our series in the book of John, and we're up to John chapter 6, and we come to a really interesting point in John 6, and remembering that our key verse for the Gospel of John is found in John chapter 20, verse 31, where it tells us the whole purpose, and John says this, these things are written so that you may continue to believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God. And that by believing in His name, you'll have life and power. That's the whole key. And John writes from the perspective of miracles as signs to who Jesus is, the Messiah, the Son of God. And we come to probably a very well-known portion of Scripture in John chapter 6. And we're going to be reading from verse 14 to 21. Uh, then my message this morning is called about three o'clock in the morning, uh, but for me it was about five o'clock in the morning, which I thought was quite ironic. But this event took place about three o'clock in the morning. So let's begin to read it. It says, when the people saw him do this miraculous sign, they exclaimed, surely he is the prophet we have been expecting. When Jesus saw that they were ready to force him, to be their king, he slipped away into the hills by himself. That that evening, Jesus' disciples went down to the shore to wait for him. But as darkness fell, Jesus still hadn't come back. They got into the boat and headed across the lake towards Capernaum. Soon a gale swept down upon them, and the sea grew very rough. They had rowed three or four miles when suddenly they saw Jesus walking on the water toward the boat. They were terrified, but he called to them, do not be afraid, I'm here. Then they were eager to let him in the boat and immediately they arrived at their destination. Quick recap leading up to this, because it says when the people saw him do this miraculous sign, they were expecting excited and said, surely he's the prophet, the one we've been waiting for. You know, Pastor Ken, if you haven't heard that message from Pastor Ken two weeks ago, a brilliant message about Jesus feeding the 5,000 
And I would agree with Pastor Ken in saying it is probably the most dynamic miracle of feeding 5,000 men, it says. And we know there were women and children. So it's a 15,000 feast that takes place. It's kind of like unbelievable to think about 15,000 people being fed with five loaves and two fish. But that's what miracles are about. A miracle is when it transcends all natural laws. It goes to a different dimension. And that's what took place. And when they saw this, that Jesus was able to do something that no one else had ever done before, to this degree, they thought, let's make him our king. It inspired these men. Imagine 5,000 men. That's a reasonable size type of gang to have on your side. A force, an army. And they wanted to make him their king. And as I was thinking about this, I thought, wow, was Jesus destined to be king? Not just king, but king of kings. And so Jesus is in a situation, a miracle takes place, the people are excited, they have been fed, and now they want to make him the king. But Jesus says no. Just because they wanted to make him king doesn't mean it was the right time for him to become king. In fact, Jesus absolutely knew this was not the time. This was not the event. And he stepped away from the situation and went into the mountain. Can I just pause there and just pull something out that I found really interesting? A bit of wisdom from Jesus. Just because there is an opportunity for you to be elevated in the situation that you are in does not always mean it is the right time to take that opportunity. The scripture tells us always to be aware of every opportunity that presents itself, but running along the side of that in our life is the wisdom that we need to know when to move forward and when not to move forward. It was Jesus' destiny to be king. But he knew it wasn't in the purpose of God at that time. The thing that we need to consider is this. Is this the right time for me to take this opportunity? Is this in my purpose that God wants for me now? Because not everything that presents itself is right for you at the right time. And if you ever get a sense that this is not right for me, if the boss wants to promote you, if there's an opportunity to do something, and it is running parallel with your purpose and your destiny, the question is, is this the right time? Because we can see from Scripture that many great men, doesn't say anything about women that I've found, but great men have moved prematurely into their destiny and have had trouble. Let me give you two examples very quickly. Moses. Moses, destined by God to be the man that would lead the children of Israel out of bondage into the promised land. Yes, he's raised in the palace for 40 years. And then at the age of 40, he sees an Egyptian beating an Israelite, a Hebrew, and he pulls him apart and he kills the Hebrew and then he buries the body and then later on 
two Hebrews are arguing and they said, do you think you're to be our leader, our king? You see, it was his destiny to do that and he moved too quickly before the work of God was working inside him to take the people out. And God then moved him into the desert to take Egypt out of him to bring him back. Moses was trying to be the leader that God had called him to be too early. Another one is Joseph, who has incredible dreams. Dreams, and I find this funny, dreams and interpretation. And he has the dream of the stars and the sun and the moon bowing down to him and him believing, one day I am going to be the leader of all these guys, my family. But it was too soon. And if we move into something too soon in our destiny without being prepared for it, fortified for it, then we're going to go through some deep, deep trouble. I want to labor on this point because I believe that the Holy Spirit spoke to me this week and said, someone is going to be given an opportunity to do something, but it's premature. You're going to move too soon, too fast, and you're going to have to go through some deep waters to get through to where he wants to take you. Ask yourself the question, is this the right time? Is this in the purpose of God? These people wanted to make Jesus king for two reasons. One, he encouraged them and he taught them. And secondly, he fed them and met their need at that time. It was about them. It wasn't about the purpose of God. So when an opportunity is presented before you, ask yourself this question. Firstly, is it in my destiny? Is it in the time? Is it for other people or is it for the purpose of God? And you know that in here. The Holy Spirit gives you that comfort, that witness, so that you can move into that with confidence because he promised to lead us and to guide us into all truth. Trust the leading of the Holy Spirit. Don't jump the gun. You know, if you think about this, what was Moses asked to do eventually? He was asked to take on the greatest world power that existed in that time. And it wasn't with an army. It was through the power of God. Something to think about. When that opportunity comes, is this the right time? Is this in the purpose of God? And if it is, you'll have that peace and you will move into that spot. So when we're looking at John now, if we can just think about that, they want to make him king. Jesus says no. What does Jesus do? He goes to the mountain. He steps out of the situation. You may need to step out of the situation and separate yourself. So Jesus goes to the mountain. Why did Jesus go to the mountain? To be refreshed. Perhaps the angels were ministering to him. Perhaps the Holy Spirit was leading him and guiding him into the next thing. We need to have those times where we allow the Spirit of God to speak to us. Just sitting quietly and waiting. Otherwise we'll be moving left, right and centre. So Jesus stepped away and he sent them home. Imagine that. Jesus sent them home. Jesus wasn't interested in having a crowd. He was interested in fulfilling the purpose of God. 
He taught them, he encouraged them, fed them physically and said, go home, just go home. Now, John 6 has very little detail about what has taken place. So I'm going to pull a few things out of Matthew chapter 14 to kind of like give us a little bit more information here. So we've got to remember that Jesus has gone to the mountain and he tells his disciples, go to the other side, go to Capernaum. And they're waiting and they're waiting and they're waiting and Jesus doesn't show up. So they say to themselves, let's go. And they head off. These are fishermen, young men, strong young men, probably experienced since they were little boys being on the water. And they, are, they set out and then about three o'clock in the morning. Who's ever been awake at three o'clock in the morning? I'm sure we all have. How do you feel about three o'clock in the morning? You know, your eyes are tired and your stomach's probably growling and feeling a bit fatigued and you're a bit worn out and you're just, you know, you're thinking about, gee, I could eat a whole box of Smarties and you go to the cupboard and you eat a whole box of Smarties and you're just not thinking straight. These guys, three o'clock in the morning, tired, fatigued, probably hungry, and then all of a sudden, a storm, a great storm. What we probably can't really appreciate about the Sea of Galilee is this, that it actually sits in kind of like a basin in a dip. And so it's actually 200 metres below sea level. So it sits 200 below sea level, 200 metres below sea level, and it's surrounded by mountains. And the Golan Heights that actually surround it are over 2,000 metres high. I've walked 1,375 metres up onto the top of Ben Nevis. Took me about 400 hours to do it. It seemed like it was a whole day. It was, it was kind of, that's a long way up. So as they're sitting in the, the boat below 200 metres of sea level, the weather, the air is warm. But occasionally, and it's been reported, that from the top of the Golan Heights, that the cold air shuffles down and hits and shoots and hits the warm air. Now, when cold air hits warm air, guess what happens? It is just as an explosion of change. It has been reported on the Sea of Galilee when events like this take place, they have found and seen and recorded waves 10 feet high. That's a substantial type of thing. If you've ever been in a boat in rough seas, it can take your breath away. I mean, I've, I've experienced it and it's just like, here we go, here we go, here we go. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. So there in this boat, three o'clock in the morning, we'll just... We'll say nine-foot waves, so we're not exaggerating. Nine-foot waves, tired, fatigue, and then all of a sudden, they see something and they think it's a what? A ghost. And they start to get a little bit worried. My message this morning to you is this. What do you do in the storm. 
What do you do in the storm that you face in your life? We will all have storms. We will all have challenges. We will all go through trials. There will be this, this thing called life because storms come in life. We need to hear what Jesus says in the storm. In the storm, he says three things. And Jesus will say these. And he did say them. He would say them. And he will say them. In the storm that you're going through in your life, you need to listen to what Jesus says. Because he did say it to these guys. He would say it to anyone. And he will say it to you if you're going through that challenge. Because let me tell you, Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. He doesn't change. When you're in a storm and there is trouble, you know what I have found? My mind defaults to more trouble. Why is that? When I'm in trouble, all I can see is trouble. But they're in the storm and they're thinking, and they know Jesus, they know what he looks like, they lose their mind and they think it's a ghost. Do you know, in a storm, as believers, our mind should not default to that which is trouble, but it should default to that which is hope. It doesn't, it's going to come. You're going to have trouble. So when you're in the trouble, you say, hey, there's hope in this situation. This is why the Scripture says, prepare your mind for action. Exercise self-control. 1 Peter 1 verse 13. Prepare your mind for action. Put things into your mind so that when the storm comes, you go, there's hope in every storm. My dad built a boat and he had a little plaque before you would go down into the cabin and it said this, prepare for the worst and hope for the best. Just prepare for the worst and hope for the best. I heard this great quote the other day I just loved and it says this as great as my thinking might be I can't trust it for when my thinking is contrary to God's word it's wrong even if I think it's right when I when I'm thinking and my thinking is contrary to the word of God and then I say to myself well that doesn't make any sense because this is what I think and I think this is right it's wrong because I have to align my thinking with his thinking because his ways are not my ways. I want to know his ways. David said, show me your ways so that I might walk with you and know you. In the storm, he says this to his disciples. Imagine that. The storm is ferocious. They're tired. They're hungry. They're weak. They think they see a ghost. And in the storm, Matthew 14 verse 27, Jesus says, don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. Don't. Don't do it. Don't be afraid. I don't know how Jesus said it. I don't think Jesus went, don't be afraid. I think he said, don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. Do you know there are 365 fear knots in the Bible? There's probably more. There's 365 fear knots. One for every day, starting with Abraham in Genesis chapter 15, verse 1. And God said to Abraham, 
don't be afraid. And it goes all the way to Revelation chapter 2, verse 10. It says, do not be afraid of what you're about to suffer. All through the Bible, it tells us, God's word, do not be afraid because you're in the storm. God said to Moses, don't be afraid of Pharaoh, the most powerful man in the world. How does that make any sense? Joshua was told, don't be afraid. Hey, no pressure. I know you're leading after Moses. No pressure. He, David said to Solomon, don't be afraid. Think about that. The son who takes over from the man who has slain tens of thousands and now has the responsibility of a kingdom. Don't be afraid. Do you know why the disciples shouldn't have been afraid? Right from the very beginning. Why shouldn't they have been afraid? Because Jesus told them, get in the boat, go over the other side. Was Jesus setting them up for failure? No. Jesus was teaching them something. If we are doing what Jesus tells us to do, if we're loving people, if we're sharing the gospel, if we're praying for people, do we really need to be afraid? The answer is no. Why were the disciples afraid? Because they looked at their circumstances. They looked at the waves. You see, it's not in going that is the issue when we start our journey with Christ. The storms come in the journey to get to where God wants us to go. That's the thing. Yes, Jesus, I will follow you all the days of my life. When Pastor Pavey and I were first going out, I said, I thought to myself, I'm going to have to be very real with her. I said, listen, I want you to know this. I believe that God has called me to be a missionary to Africa. And we may have to live in a hut. And she said, I'll go. <laughs> well, I wasn't called to be a missionary in Africa. But you've just got to go. It's the journey to where God wants you to go. They were on a journey and there's a storm. And they were afraid. Have you ever been afraid? I mean, I'll be honest, I have. I've been afraid. I can remember standing out here in the car park all by myself and looking at everything that was just an absolute mess. It was unbelievable. I wish I had taken a photo. And I stood there and I was afraid. And I thought to myself, what have I done? What have I done? I was afraid because I felt lonely and I felt discouraged. You know when fear comes? Fear comes. And fear is this. These are the seeds of fear. Feeling alone and feeling discouraged. 
just by myself. I was left by myself. So what did I do? I stood there and I took a deep breath and I just said, here we go. Here we go. The disciples were on a mission to go to the other side. They didn't know why they were going, why Jesus said to go. They just went. But their vision destroyed their mission. Don't let your vision, the things that you see today, stop you from the mission that God's called you to. It will just put the brakes on for you full ball. Yeah, I believe that God has given us all a vision. A vision to do what he's called us to do. And we do that through the mission, through the journey. Don't let the circumstances overwhelm you. As I'm thinking about this storm and the disciples in the boat and Jesus walking on the water they're thinking he's a ghost you know with nine foot seas I thought to myself who started the storm who starts the storm was it that natural circumstances where the cold air rushed down from a, the mountain and hit the warm air and was it a natural type of circumstance that set everything in motion? Was it the devil who could see that they were by themselves in a boat? Listen to this. They were in their most common, comfortable environment. They knew what they were doing in a boat on the sea. Did the devil come? Did the devil stir the water? Did he create the wind? I, I don't know. But this is what I do know. God allowed the storm. And if God allows the storm, then I can move through the storm. I do not have to be afraid. The devil wants to frighten you in your own environment. Because that's a comfortable place. And when that takes place, we have to stop ourselves and go, well, just wait a minute here. What's going on? Don't be afraid. If Jesus comes to you and you're in a storm, he will say this to you, do not be afraid. That's the first thing. The second thing he says is this, take courage. Matthew 14, do not be afraid, take courage. Jesus doesn't want you to be afraid, but he does want you to take courage. Why did Jesus say take courage? Because someone's trying to take your courage. Don't let your courage go. Hang on to your courage. Someone or something will try to take your courage. Courage is really an undefinable quality of virtue. Courage has been studied for 
thousands of years by philosophers to what is courage. Where does it come from? How do we have it? What, what causes it to take place? Courage comes from within. It is when we decide to put away feelings of fear and take a step of faith. The root word for courage is core, and in the Latin, it means heart. That's the original meaning, that courage comes from the heart. And the earliest form of courage meant this, to speak one's mind by telling all one's heart. To speak one's mind by telling all one's heart. Speak one's mind by telling all one's heart. Because we have to speak from our mind to our heart and say, go. I love this quote by Mark Twain who says this, courage is not the absence of fear, it's the mastery of fear. It's not the absence of fear, it's the courage of fear. It's the mastery of it. I mean, every day we can see that people do courageous acts. And believe me, there's always an element of fear resting right beside it. In the storm, not to be afraid and take courage means I will not allow fear to control my life. I'm going to take that step of faith. You know, recently there was how uh, the story of a guy who was being attacked by a shark on his surfboard and his mates paddled out to rescue him and save him. That's an incredibly courageous thing. And you will hear people when they've been interviewed, weren't you afraid? Yes, I was afraid, but I had to do it. I don't know if you've ever seen the movie um, Hacksaw Ridge by a guy called Desmond Doss. He was a guy who ended up in the army and he wanted to serve. But he was a conscientious objector and he wouldn't take a rifle. And he went through all the pain of, of going through all the training and being belittled and put down and rubbished by his men. He ended up being a, kind of like a medic help. And he, they end up on an island in Okinawa. And the Japanese are in control. And they try to take Hacksaw Ridge and they get up the top. And they're just getting obliterated. And they all come down except for Desmond. And he rescues between 50 and 75 people and lowers them down the edge of the cliff. It's such an inspiring story of courage. And it's almost like I just had to do what I had to do. Not a gun. Surrounded by hostile enemies. There's a lady... Her name is Irene Sendler. In World War II, they were in a ghetto in Poland. She rescued 2,500 children from the Nazis. 2,500. Got them out of the ghetto, uh, out of the ghetto on their way to safety. Do you think she was afraid every day of her life? But courage overtook her. Do you know they captured her? They broke her legs, they tortured her, and after the war, you know what she did? She went and she re-established those children with the families. What a courageous 
beautiful woman. In New York, David Kazoo, a 26-year-old, a man fell off the platform in the subway and a train is hurtling towards them and people are screaming. He jumps off the platform, picks him up, throws him back on the platform and jumps back on the platform. And he says, I just had to do it. Do you think he was afraid? A high school teacher in 2019, Angela McQueen, a gunman comes into the high school cafeteria and starts shooting children. She tackles him and holds him down until the authorities come and take him away. Do you think she was courageous? Do you think she was afraid? Courage, folks, in the storm is not the absence of fear. It's the mastery of it. It's just saying, I'm just going to do it. We are surrounded in our life with the opportunity to be courageous in the storm. When I master fear, the mastery of fear is not a single event. It's a process. Sometimes it's a day by day, a moment by moment. But when I take steps to mastering fear, it does something inside me. It changes me. It gives me confidence. But here's the thing. My confidence in the storm is built in the all-sufficient power of Christ Jesus. My confidence comes from him because greater is he who is in me than he that's in the world. To be courageous is to step forward and know that he is right there with us, helping us. Yes, I get a little bit of confidence, but my confidence is so weak and shallow, and I know I'm not to throw away my confidence because it has great reward, the Scripture says, but this, as I live the Christian life and stand for Christian values and beliefs and share the gospel of Christ, when I do not fear and when I'm courageous and I'm mastering that stuff, courage comes because of who he is and what he has done. Has the the Lord ever asked you to do something that you've never done before? I mean, you know, he asked you to do something. Go and speak to that person. Tell them I love them. I can't do that. Take a step of faith and do this or do that. And you you say to God, I've never done this before, God. And God says, I know. I'm gone. I know you've never done this before. Why does God ask us to do things that we've never done before and he knows that we've never done them? Think about this. And you say to God, God, why would you ask me to do something I've never done before? And God says this. Well, Pastor Jim was busy or he didn't want to do it, so I've come to you. I want you to do it. And you say, God, but God... I've never done this before. I'm a, I'm a bit, I'm a bit, a, a bit afraid. And he says, I know. Don't be afraid. Be courageous. We've got to be a courageous people. We've got to master this stuff. Every time 
We are courageous. We build our confidence in God's ability. Every time we're courageous, we build our confidence in God's ability. In the storm, Jesus says, don't be afraid. Take courage. Take it. The last thing he says is really quite interesting. And at our last Connect meeting, this was mentioned, and I was preparing, I had prepared my sermon early, and people started talking about this because we were, we were reflecting on Matthew 28. It was a great conversation. And we, we spoke about it, different aspects of Matthew 28, and it came down to this point, that Jesus said something, and Jesus said this, I am here. <laughs> Do not be afraid. Take courage. I am here. That's what Jesus says. I am here. In the storm, let's not forget Jesus is with us. He's not afraid. He's courageous. When I read the scriptures and I, I look at the stories and I can imagine these guys in this boat and the rigging is swinging and water's coming in the boat and the, the wind's blowing, they're hanging on for dear life. Jesus walks to them and says, do not be afraid. Be courageous. I am here. I love this verse. Verse 20 in John 6. Jesus says, I am here. But verse 21 just made me laugh. It says this, then they were eager to let him in the boat. <laughs> they were eager to let him in the boat. <laughs> if you're in the storm, do not be afraid. Be courageous. He says, I'm here. Get him in the boat. Get in the boat, Jesus, please. Get in the boat. And what did he do? He got in the boat. But before he got in the boat, there was this guy called Peter. And Peter says, is that you, Lord? He goes, it's me. I'm here. He says, can I come to you? Yes. When Jesus, when you ask Jesus, can you come to him? He always says, Yes. So he gets out of the boat. And what happens? Glug, 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 glug. Rescue me. Rescue me. They got in the boat. My goodness, folks. In the storm. It's going to happen. Do not be afraid. Be courageous because he is here. Deuteronomy 3 verse 18 says this. He will never leave you nor forsake you <laughs> way back then in the old testament do not be afraid do not be discouraged and let me end with this last one matthew 28 20 and surely i am with you always to the very end of the age how cool is that how good is that I know 
we are going to have times in our life when we are going to go through the storm. It might be a health storm. It might be a financial storm. It might be an employment storm. It might be a family storm. It might be a personal internal storm. You're going to have them. That's the reality. We don't, you know, deny the challenges that we face. We face the challenges that we face. And we face them by not being afraid, by being courageous, and always remembering that he is here. I want you to stand with me this morning. And I want to pray for us as we go through storms together that our mind does not default to trouble in trouble, but to hope in trouble. Do not be afraid. Do not be afraid. Don't. Don't do it. Don't. You know, God has not given us a spirit of fear, but power, love, and a sound mind. There's a reason why this stuff is all through Scripture, because the Scriptures, you know, that God wants us to have is to realize that that's the reality of our life. There are going to be fearful moments. Do not be afraid. Be courageous. Master the fear. And if you have to master it every day, then master it every day, every moment. If it's stress or anxiety, master it. Do not be afraid. Step up, step out, step into where you need to go. Because he's with us. If you're in a storm this morning, something's going on you don't like, it's okay. Do not be afraid. Be courageous. Because he is here. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we want to thank you for the word of God. Thank you, Lord, for the practical word that you give us. The word that we can take and put it into action. And I pray for all of us this morning, Lord God, that in the storm, that we would remember that we are people of faith and that we do not be afraid. That we take courage and that you are with us. Father, I pray that our mindset will always move to these things to arrest the fear, to step up, master it, being courageous and being comforted by knowing that you are with us in these times. I pray your blessing on everyone here this morning in Jesus' name. Amen. If you've joined us online this morning, we want to thank you for being with us and we pray that God's richest blessing would be upon you and your family. Remember that Jesus loves you and he doesn't want you to be afraid. He wants you to be courageous, master the fear because he's with us all the days of our life. Amen. Thanks for listening today. I hope you subscribe to the podcast so you can be inspired weekly. God bless and have a great day.